The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Hey there, and welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. And this week, the award-winning New York Times bestselling author, investigative journalist, and anthropologist Scott Carney stopped by the show to talk with me about the dangers of putting yourself into the story, what he's learned in his 20-plus years in mainstream publishing, and how he juggles his multiple creative projects. Throughout his career as a globetrotting journalist, the author spent extensive time in South Asia, been a contributing editor at Wired for over five years, and written for Mother Jones, Men's Journal, Playboy, Foreign Policy, Discover, Outside, Fast Company, and many others. Mr. Carney is the author of a trio of nonfiction books that combine investigative journalism and anthropology, including The Red Market, where he explored the black market for human body parts, A Death on Diamond Mountain, an examination of the dark side of spiritual seekers, and most recently, the New York Times bestseller, What Doesn't Kill Us, How Freezing Water, Extreme Altitude, and Environmental Conditioning Will Renew Our Lost Evolutionary Strength. As part of his research for What Doesn't Kill Us, Scott spent time with Dutch extreme athlete and fitness guru Wim Hof to try to understand the science behind his now famous method to control his body temperature in extreme conditions and tap into ancient superhuman abilities. In addition to his writing, Scott is a public speaker and educator whose work has been featured on NPR and National Geographic TV. His most recent project is a video course for writers called The Fine Print, aimed at helping freelancers, journalists, and creative entrepreneurs think of themselves as a startup business and help merge their creative and business sensibilities. Stick around to the end of the show to hear about a special discount just for listeners of this podcast. In part one of this file, Scott and I discuss why he dropped out of his anthropology PhD program to become a professional writer, how to protect yourself from negotiating bad contracts, why you don't have to fall into the traps so many broke journalists fall into, the writer's natural state of productive procrastination, why you need to gun for those theme park size ideas, the power of outlines, and how to write 80,000 words in eight months. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, 
See for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. All right, welcome back to The Writer Files podcast. I have a very special guest today on the show. And uh, I am joined by award-winning New York Times bestselling author, journalist, anthropologist, and many other things. Scott Carney is here today. Scott, thanks so much for uh, hopping on to rap with us about your process. Hey, this is great. I'm psyched to be here. Yeah, man. Um, I don't even know where to start, but uh, I guess we could talk about this fantastic book, What Doesn't Kill Us, um, your most recent it's a New York Times bestseller. And uh, maybe just kind of to start out, like, I, I mean, you just have this fantastic resume of things. You're a, a, a public speaker, an educator. You've got, it looks like, over 20 years of kind of experience in mainstream publishing and uh, a course coming out for writers as well. So maybe you kind of catch us up a little bit on... <laughs> How you got here? How you became? Who, who is this guy? Who is <laughs> Scott Carney? How did how did he uh, yeah, become right. this best selling author? So I'm I'm an investigative journalist, uh, or that's how I got my start. Uh, where I, you know, moved to India uh, and was Wired's sort of like on the ground dude for like five or six years. Uh, and I also was writing for like Playboy, NPR, Mother Jones, all that stuff. That was sort of like early on in my career back in, you know, when I really got rolling, we're talking about 2007, I guess, uh, with sort of a, a fumbling career before that. And, uh, and then, you know, now I write books. I wrote a book about organ trafficking called the red market, where I sort of in, infiltrated organ brokering networks, uh, in Asia, uh, Europe and the United States, and then Jeez. wrote about it. Yeah. Um, then I was working on a book about um, how meditation can kill you, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, called "A Death on Diamond Mountain," uh, where I looked at sort of this cultish meditative practices that sort of mix various sus- suspects, um, sort of like Christian movements with Buddhist movements, with like sort of New Age flim flam, and then boom, people are losing all their money and doing really dumb things uh, in the name of sort of spirituality. And then another book that I wrote, which is sort of the the, the big one was the opposite of the of uh, this Death and Dime Mountain book. It's called uh, What Doesn't Kill Us, where I looked at this really strange meditation technique that involves immersing yourself in ice water and then learning a, sort of how to hyperventilate and hold your breath for really long periods of time uh, called the Wim Hof Method, uh, which – you know, allowed me to learn to control my body temperature in extreme environments. Uh, you know, it, instead of meditation killing you, this is sort of meditation gives you superpowers. And <laughs> I ended up hiking up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro in a bathing suit in a really fast amount of time uh, with this sort of eccentric you know, Dutch meditation guru named Wim Hof. And that book has been like everywhere. It's been a, a lot of fun to be on that project. Uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're right now pitching to make it into a TV show. There's a great audio book and I'm working on a sequel. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, my career has been a blast. Uh, I, you know, what, what I like to, to say is that I get to, you know, have adventures, you know, I yeah. get to go around the world and, and do really cool things or write about them and then bring them back um, to you know, the people at home to, to, 
you know, see what I'm getting up to. Yeah, yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Um, pretty fascinating journey to say the least. It's interesting because I had actually read... I think uh, an Atlantic piece that you were mentioned in. Oh yeah, um, James Hamblin's piece, right? Yeah, and that was that was last summer, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't put the two together until um, I started to get into the book, um, which I'm really enjoying. And that's oh, cool. all really, really fascinating stuff about God. I guess just switching the way you um, think about how your body works and. I don't know. The cold exposure stuff is is pretty fascinating. Do you got the yeah. a, do you got the AC cranked over there with your, no, your shirt no. off? <laughs> I actually hate AC. Um, <laughs> you know, the the point of that book was that uh, essentially we live in this really static environment of like seventy two degrees of perfect comfort all the time, right. and that that in reality where we evolved from was just constant changes in our environment from freezing cold to you know scorching heat, and our bodies got really used or, you know, evolved in order to adapt to changes. And right right now we live in, you know, essentially eternal summer with, you know, our electric lights giving us electric light all the time in like sort of summer days all, all year long. Um, and then, uh, no variation temperature, you know, sort of the perfect summer temperature all the time. And, you know, where we came from is, is, is variation and stress and difficulty and, and I, and I learned that you can overcome sort of a lot of the sort of anxiety and stresses and, and sort of immune problems that, that show up in, in our sort of modern world by just giving yourself uh, changes in your environment. And, 
and things that seem like they're superhuman, that they're so impossible to do, like, you know, sitting in ice water for an hour at a time. Uh, it, it seems like that should kill people um, when you're a modern person sitting in your, you know, fluorescent light office all the time, getting sort of slowly fatter. Um, you realize that we actually evolved for these sort of extreme uh, environments, extreme challenges, and that you can, you know, get some of that evolutionary vigor back by, you know, really quickly, um, with, yeah. you know, a little pain along the way, maybe. Yeah. That's a pretty amazing story. And I'm sure that you've learned a lot, uh, in the process kind of about your own thresholds of pain, but it seems like it kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of your other work. You know, you've, or it's kind of been described as a, um, investigative journalism trilogy that the three right. different books that you mentioned mm -hmm. um i was actually listening to the audiobook for a death on diamond mountain and that was kind, oh, of, cool. kind of a cautionary tale but there's a lot of amazing stuff in there and um yeah i mean all of, all of it seems uh kind of like and i know you've talked about this your brand right um right. you've kind of built yourself into this uh investigative ethnography uh thing journalism beast um but it's cool and and so you have got a background in, in anthropology which is wild um mm -hmm. to me that, yeah. that that's translated then into this uh uh publishing career yeah i so i dropped out of my phd program right at the dissertation uh to move over into anthropology into journalism and the reason was that you know as an anthropologist i was having I, I got to look at really cool material you know travel around the world meet uh you know learn languages uh go really in depth on subjects but i realized that i'd be writing this dissertation for six people on a on a dissertation committee and and they would be essentially my only audience and i'd put out a really small really academic book and then i'd be fighting for tenure for the rest of my life in in departmental politics and that mm. just did not appeal to me i i wanted to get out to the rest of the world and you know maybe exchange some of that academic rigor and jargon um, for exciting stories that tell you essentially what it means to be human. Like that's the, 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 the question that, that you know, underpins everything that I've done is I, is I want to get into like sort of extreme situations and understand what that means about living in the world in general. Uh, one of the first challenges after making that leap from academia to journalism is I, as I suddenly realized, well, how the hell do you make a living doing all this, right? <laughs> like, yeah. how, how is it that we move from, you know, having cool ideas to actually getting paid uh, for, my, for my work? And uh, it, it's been one of those struggles that I think that every professional writer um, has. And, you know, once I started learning some of the ways that, that you know, you can start making a living as a writer, uh, I, I I started realizing that the publishing industry itself is sort of built around exploiting creative professionals, right? Mm. It's it's, mm -hmm. it's built around you know uh, you know taking as much uh, control of the writer's work as possible and turning into advertising revenue for publications that then don't share any money. And and I, and I learned sort of the hard way, uh, you know, working for Wired. Uh, early on where I would sign these contracts and then, you know, you'd look at some of these clauses and I'd be like, well, why are they want my theme park rights? Right. Wow. <laughs> in, yeah. In this. You know, why do they want, you know, what's this really long liability clause all about? What is, um, you know, you know, why do they want my reprint rights? You know, and, and, and all these things. And I realized that all of those, those contractual lines 
were basically ways for them to either offset risk and put it on my back or, uh, you know, take money out of my pocket downstream. And, you know, I, 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 I realized that one of the reasons why all writers are struggling is that we just sign really bad contracts. And we don't really know how to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, what I've been passionate about for, for many years, in addition to my writing, which is, you know, really, you know, that's obviously the reason why I do it. Mm-hmm. But, but I've been really passionate about telling other writers uh, how to get the uh, a sort of a, a sustainable business model underneath their work so that, that can propel and continue their creative efforts. And I see those things as hand in hand, and which, which is why I've been involved in all these sort of like different you know, projects to benefit writers. You know, I, I put out this website uh, three years ago, I think, called Word Rates, which was a way yeah. to share uh, payment rates at, at, at different magazines and give you ways to negotiate better contracts. Uh, it was supposed to be like sort of a Yelp for writers where mm-hmm. you'd like, you would edit, you know, you'd work with an editor or a magazine and you'd be able to rate that, that experience. And then it would crowdsource it out. And then every writer would have sort of a baseline bit of information to work on. Uh, word rates, unfortunately failed. Uh, I, I shut it down last summer because it turned out that writers weren't too keen on outing their editors. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> that were when they had bad experiences. So um, what I've done more recently, uh, you know, to sort of continue that project is I've, I've been, uh, I, I put on to video all of the talks that I've given uh, to to writers over the years. You know, people approach me, they're like, how do you make a living in this business? And I have this sort of spiel that goes on for a few hours uh, that I've told people and it just ended up getting so burdensome to keep on giving the same lecture that I put it out on a, in a video course. <laughs> right. Uh, so that people can, you know, you know, figure out some of those tips of how to like make a career, you know, sustainable uh, yeah. over a long period of time. So that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to get out onto your show and to talk to, to you and to your audience is to tell them that there's, there's some resources out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Um, get into that a little bit. So the, probably the best place to find your writing out there is uh, scottcarney.com of course mm. I'll, I'll put all of these um, resources in the, the show notes links to all this great stuff and you've got the books of course um, a bunch of your right. journalism and then there's a courses link right up there uh, at the top where you can learn more about uh, this course called the fine print which keeps popping up with just auto playing in my earphone sorry um i don't know if you can hear that uh but and yeah here's my voice <laughs> so the fine print that uh you've recorded here is a bunch of lessons um that you've learned over the years and i started to get into it this morning scott let me take a look under the hood and i'm really uh-huh. enjoying it i'm about five or six lessons in and i already feel like i've learned uh more than I have from just picking the brains of journalists over the years, just kind of about, about you know, some no nonsense, right? Um, mm-hmm. Kind of turning your creativity uh, into a startup, so to speak. Yeah, right. You know, the thing that I realized, right, is that as a writer, you and who wants to make a living as a writer. Now, this is some writers are like married to doctors and lawyers, and and they have a different business model, <laughs> right? But but yeah. a lot of us who who have to you know go from paycheck to paycheck, you know, and assignment to assignment, to find that there's all of these like traps that we get stuck into. You know, one of the really common ones is like you you, you write it this cool story, and then 
you send out an invoice and it takes them like six months to get your payment from them, which then sends you scrambling so that you can't, you know, you're, you're always um, chasing the next assignment, which means you're chasing the, the you, know, you, you have to do assignments that you don't really want to do or that you can't put the right amount of effort in to make them really sing and, and really big. And then the other thing that happens is sometimes you get paid for your work and then you have signed away all the rights to that work so that you can't make money on it again, right? You can't resell that story no. in the thousands of markets that are potentially out there. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's a real error because, you know, as writers, we want to think that our work it speaks for itself, right? You know, I write this this thing and if it's really good, you know, agents will come out of the woodwork and give me a book deal and they'll pick me up and 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 it will sort of grow on its own just based on the quality of the work. And and what I learned is that you have to be really savvy the entire way through um, your career and plan on making everything you do, every story, every sort of idea you pitch, um, to make them the sorts of ideas that can grow from little things into bigger ones. Uh, you know, you write an article to write a book, to write, to get to a TV deal, to get a movie deal, to get, a, I don't know, a theme park ride, I guess, right? That right. Wired, Wired keeps on it telling me that they own the uh, roller coaster. To, <laughs> the to Scott Carney roller coaster. <laughs> um, and... You know, I mean, there's just a ton of like, like traps uh, that people get into. You know, there's also like the pitch process where you, you pitch an idea like, let's say I really want to work for the New Yorker. Right. And I'm pitching uh, and, you know, you pitch them the idea, but it takes that editor seven weeks to get back to you. And all of a sudden your story that was really hot one day is now seven weeks late before they finally tell you no. <laughs> and then, then you're on to Wired and, you know, all the way down to Cat Fancy at the end, you know, end of the day, you keep on <laughs> pitching. And it, it, every time it takes you another week to, to or 10 weeks to get a response. And, and that can really screw up people's timelines. It can really make it difficult to, to make a living. And, you, and then you, what happens is that so many writers I know end up in penury in one way or another mm, because mm-hmm. – and and then they're out of the creative field, right? Because they didn't treat their writing, you know, life as a business. They ended up not being writers. They ended up in PR or they ended up, you know, trying, you know, waiting tables or something like that and not doing the thing that they loved in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, we'll definitely point at the course. And um, mm-hmm. Scott wants to offer listeners of this show a uh, discount code, which we will um, drop at the end of the show. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Listen to the end. <laughs> Listen to the end. Um, yeah. And we're going to dig into Scott's process here. Um, sure. Find out what makes makes him tick as a writer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it just seems like with your experience and background, the course is a natural kind of extension of, you know, some of the educational stuff that you've done. Um, But yeah, let's dig into your process as a journalist. And I know when we were trying to arrange this interview, you were off covering some story and and, uh, I guess you're back. Stanford getting my brain scanned or something like that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so um, as you're working now on the sequel to... What doesn't kill us? Are you also pitching? Um, are you working on uh, multiple projects? You're a guy who kind of like um, mm-hmm. does the kind of pr- productive procrastination thing where you have multiple balls in the air. Yeah, uh, that's a cool, I like that productive procrastination. That is like my life, I guess. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to steal that phrase. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way I work is I generally have great ideas that, that were not all, sometimes the ideas are terrible, but I, I, I try to stick to the great ones. Right. And then I, I put like eight balls going at once and I put a little energy into each ball until, um, you know, something lands. So at the moment I'm working on the sequel to what doesn't kill us. It's a book called the wedge, which should be out in like 2019. And that's already sold and sort of moving. Uh, I'm working on a podcast with my wife. I'm working on a um a, another book de- book about climate change which is now sort of in the works with wired and and the i think it's at the new yorker too we're talking to them oh wow uh and uh, i'm working on what else a tv show that i just pitched with, with nbc and we're, we're waiting on netflix to get back to us uh you know just a ton of different stuff um uh, always going on because you know you, you you know, when ideas happen, right, you, I, I, there's sort of this constant stream of ideas and then you sort of put them out on the table, you start pushing them all. And right now I happen to have four that are, that seem to be moving all, all at once. That's great. Which, which if they hit, I'm sort of screwed, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but I expect some of these to sort of fail in, in one way or another. Like, you know, not every idea hits. Sure. Um, but, but, but as you know, and I'll just go back to the course really quickly, because you kind of talk about the cover this a little bit. And, um, mm-hmm. but you talk about, again, kind of those theme park sized ideas, as opposed to right. the, uh, metaphor that you use for the different types of fishermen, like the net fishermen who get burnt out as journalists pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, those all sound like big, big picture, um, big idea, uh, yeah. roller coaster size things. <laughs> so yeah, if you get two roller coasters, man. Oh my God. I, I mean, I'd be happy with one roller coaster. Okay. Let's just be real. You know, the Scott Carney, <laughs> whatever it is, stress ride or yeah. ice bath or whatever it is. Um, yeah. I mean, so, so the, the principle is pretty simple. Like is that you start with, you never go out or I would never go out with an idea that I didn't think at least has the possibility to grow into something bigger. Like I'm not going to do a story that's about, um, I don't know, uh, this really tattoo, great tattoo that I got, right? I'm not gonna do a story <laughs> that, and, and it has a good photo and a funny story about that that tattoo. If if 
no one's ever gonna gonna be like, oh, well, this could turn into a whole book about tattoos, or you know, or maybe the the you know maybe your tattoo was Memento, and there's a whole movie uh, mm. based on it. Like, I really think that it's important to think to some degree cinematically about the work. Um, that that even because you can spend I mean I would always spend like six months on a story like minimum to get it into a magazine I would be you know really putting a ton of energy into my work and the only way that ever became financially viable was if that story had the the at least potential to be something else like I could say oh yeah, maybe that could be a book or oh yeah maybe that could be a movie it doesn't mean that it became one it's that it at least had that potential to grow and if you never create pieces with that um, at least intention in the very beginning, there's almost no chance um, that, it, that, it, that it moves further and you get to that point, this sort of like amazing uh, place that writers can get to, which is called the middle class. You know, it's like, it's like, it's, it, it is indeed possible to have healthcare and make on-time mortgage payments. And like, I know that sounds crazy for yeah. a lot of writers, but, but no, it's, it is possible. I, I swear. It's a revelation. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's talk about a typical writing day for you. Like when sure. you're, when you're on deadline or you're, you know, kind of, uh, in the crunch time of, mm-hmm. you know, getting the manuscript off, um, right. Let's talk about just kind of how you structure your day. Mm-hmm. Are you writing every day? Are you blocking? How are you getting words onto the page effectively? I've had a lot of different processes over my life. Um, and I think the most effective one was to come up with this idea of writing 500 words a day, right? Once I have a, yeah. a book that I'm already, you know, on, you know, chugging along on. I create a really smart outline, something that that you know has the chapters denoted and and you know it, it, even the sections of the chapters are in the, are in this outline. And then I realize that that a chapter is about five thousand words, give or you know give or take. Uh, and 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 once I've gotten going on that book, it's it's five hundred words a day every day, and that turns into a, a manuscript in about eight months. It's about eighty thousand words hmm. in eight months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the catch is that that manuscript is going to suck, right? <laughs> it's going to be not a very good piece of writing, uh, and then, then you'll have to go back and edit it. But I find that to, with a book, it's way more important to have that total arc of the narrative, that beginning, that middle, and that end, uh, and to have that all sort of figured out. And that's what the outline's for. Yeah. Um, and then to go back and then fix the smaller pieces as you go. You know. And and the other way, you know, that people do it is that they'll write like one sentence, right? And they'll look back and like, ah, oh, that sentence is not perfect. And they'll go back and they'll edit it. And they try to make this sort of perfection uh, right out of the gate. But the thing is, is when you do that, you sort of lose track of the overall momentum of that piece that you're trying to create. And it, and it makes the project take a lot longer to complete. Because then now, once you finish your manuscript, you look back and you realize that you did it wrong. Do you feel like you, you're getting into a flow state earlier in the day or later in the day earlier. Yeah. I, I feel like writing for me is like done best early in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and you know, that goal that I have of 500 words a day, I don't, I try not to leave my workstation right for the day until mm-hmm. I'm done with it. And oftentimes I'll find that I can get it banged out really quickly. But, you know, on other times, like probably every writer knows the whole 
procrastination game, sometimes I'll be down to like 5 p.m. I'm like, oh, my God, I've only written four words. <laughs> and, and then it's that deadline of like, I really would like to eat dinner tonight. Um, that 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 throws that that word vomit out onto my, you know, Scrivener file. Yeah. Um, Are you a headphones guy? Do you listen to music? Do you do white noise? Do you do any? Uh, no, I need, I need silence. I have pretty bad ADD. And so any um, external anything, and I you sort of totally lose track. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you want to check out Scott's video course, The Fine Print, and learn the skills that journalism schools and MFA programs don't teach, just head over to courses.scottcarney.com. And listeners of this podcast get a 20% discount on the course with the coupon code WRITERFILES, all caps, no space. And that's valid until May 31st, 2018. And disclosure there, although Scott was kind enough to give the show a trial membership, The Writer Files is not an affiliate for Scott's course. If you enjoy The Writer Files, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.